Greetings and blessings to each and one in the name of the Lord Jesus. Indeed, a blessing to be in his house again and come to this time of worship at our service. Turn with me to Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> Taking my text from verse 24 through 37. May the grace and mercy and peace of our Lord be with us. May we see him today in this message is my prayer that God will manifest himself to us. Mark chapter 7, beginning to read in verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his finger into his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Chapter 8 begins then in those days. Um, I know it's difficult to to separate uh, the letter, but uh, that was King James's way of making it easy for this type of study of the Scriptures so that we have chapters and verses and we can pinpoint to where we're reading. Originally, Mark was one gospel, was no verses, just sentences and paragraphs, or however they wrote, what format they used, but... but uh, um, it wasn't verses and chapters and so forth. But here we have two accounts that we want to look at today. And in many ways, they're similar. Now, I realize that the Gospel of Mark, uh, he emphasizes the life of Jesus. And he he's, um, um, uses um, um, 
details and yet and yet he's very um, very brief and to the point and Jesus and the gospel of Mark is very much on on the go and he's a busy man and so forth and we um, we don't have a lot of Jesus teachings but here we have um, these two accounts that happened and no doubt the disciples were with them and uh, heard and understood uh, what Jesus was uh, saying and uh, what happened Mark, I'm just simply saying that Mark's emphasis is on Jesus' life. And I, I would like to just draw uh, conclusions now from the other side of these accounts as well, from those that came to Jesus. <clears throat> uh, in the men's Sunday school class, I was thinking about this earlier, and I thought about it early this morning as I was thinking, pondering over this, that Jesus' life was such that men, women, boys, and girls came to Jesus. Um, and those that, those that came to Jesus sought help. They, they had a need in some way. And uh, I was thinking just... Putting my thoughts together, I thought, well, I really wonder. I think that um, Jesus didn't heal anyone, didn't minister to anyone other than those that came to him. And I mentioned that in, in our men's Sunday school class. Um, and some of you might have uh, thought of a few instances. And after I went out back after the class, I thought, hmm, all of a sudden came to my mind the man with the evil spirit in the Gadarenes where Jesus had went with the disciples and landed on the shore. We had studied about that just uh, previous chapters here. And he met this man that was living among the tomb. And um, that man cried out to Jesus. <laughs> um well, he was afraid of Jesus. He wanted Jesus to leave, and Jesus rebuked the evil spirit. Um, be that as it may, uh, can't say that he necessarily came to Jesus, but I don't know how all those things were. But we see here, we see in these examples here of people that came to Jesus. And I've entitled the message this morning, Seeking Jesus. Jesus, as I said, was a busy man traveling from hither and yon uh, to and fro and uh, centered much of his ministry around Galilee, had been there, had gone to, and that refers back to our uh, previous chapter, uh, but it, he has traveled now to Tyre and Sidon, which I, if I understand correctly, are Gentile cities and um, are a little bit out of the uh, Jewish realm, which actually borders Judah, uh, Judea, I guess. Um, I didn't do a lot of search on that, just taking uh, men's comments about that. But <clears throat> be that as it may, he's traveling and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. <clears throat> We have, in, these, in both of these accounts, we have 
something very interesting that I would like to just draw a few thoughts from. And that is in verse 25, how that these people came to Jesus. Verse 25 and also verse 32. Uh, now we notice that in 31, he moves on from Tyre and Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and comes to the coast of Decapolis. <clears throat> Different places, but these things happen. And here we have, uh, there, are, there are a lot of similarities, and yet there are some differences which we want to recognize. <clears throat> but I want to notice how they came to Jesus. <clears throat> Both of these. It's interesting that the woman was a Greek. I don't know what the other man was. Uh, I'm assuming that he was a Jew. But be that as it may, I find it interesting that the woman comes on her own accord. But the deaf and dumb person comes, or the deaf and the impediment speech of, in his speech, uh, he comes, he is brought by others. And uh, I think we could just elaborate our thoughts about that just a bit. Um. Jesus, I think the key lesson here is that Jesus meets the need of those that come to him. We want to touch a little bit more on that as we uh, proceed here. I see the woman coming to him, this other man coming to Jesus. They're asking Jesus to meet their need. I have four points this morning, which is a little bit uh, different, and I'm not sure how, why the Lord has led me this way, but, but I want to be faithful in this. Number one, be aware of my need. Now, both of these examples, they were aware that they had a need. Now, it may come to us as a, as a surprise but there are times in our lives, in, at least in my life, that I have a need and I'm really not aware that I have a need. There are often times that I pray that God would show me the need of my need. Um, you know, I have a need of knowing my need. Sometimes we become accustomed to and we get into a rut of life and we, we have a need and we really are not aware that we have a need. Many, many, many a person is out there. As we think of in the spiritual world especially, there are many, many people that have a need of Jesus. And they're not aware of it. Not aware of their need. There are people, and as I get older, I think about this more, and as life brings its circumstances, there's a good possibility that I have a need of a doctor. I just don't know it at this point. And what got my mind to turning is that Dottie Yoder, uh, my wife's uh, grandfather on her father's side, uh, he made this comment. He said people would ask him, how are you, Mose? And Mose would say, I'm doing well. 
I feel good. And uh, the older he got, he still felt good, but he had some uh, health problems and those uh, uh, of his acquaintance and so forth were getting older and they had health issues. And so he said, I started saying, when people would ask me, how are you, Mose? He would say to them, as far as I know, I'm doing well. I feel good. Because it's possible, it's very possible, that there's something eating away in my, in my body that I'm not aware of. <clears throat> and so... Sometimes, beloved, sometimes we need others to show us our need. Now that's humbling sometimes, and sometimes we'd rather not go there. But, but that's really the truth, and sometimes um, we need others to help us to see our need. We have both of those accounts here. I see the woman coming to Jesus on her own accord. I believe the woman saw her own need. Now, I'm not saying that the man didn't see his own need. Um, Obviously, he did because he allowed those that brought him to come to Jesus. But I just noticed that difference. I think one 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 of the keys in... In displaying a knowledge of our need, is this very fact that I want help? When, when, when we reject the idea that I want help, or we, we say, I don't, what's the matter with me? I don't need any help. It's an indication that we haven't, we don't see our need. But when we truly see our need, then, then there's a response that we want help. We want someone to help us. <clears throat> and I think this woman and this man both understood, made that clear here, that they understood their need, they understood they had a need, and they went for help. It was a manifestation of their knowledge of their need. We have often heard, been said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so um, that's, uh, that's pretty much the way it is. And, um, you know, if, if, if the horse doesn't want to drink, he, he just doesn't drink. Now, when that horse becomes thirsty, he's looking for even dirty water to drink. And sometimes uh, they even stop at a mud puddle uh, to take a drink. And um, so we, we must see, number one, we must be aware of our need. Secondly, we need to know where to turn for help. Know where to turn for help. Now, both of these knew where to go. The woman knew she had heard about Jesus She had heard of his wonderful work, and she had heard that he was in the area. She went to meet Jesus. I don't know what was happening or what was going on with her daughter while she was gone. The woman herself didn't necessarily need help. 
other than the fact that her daughter was sick. She wanted help for her daughter. And so she goes to Jesus. The other man, the other man, we could say this is a, this is a big difference. I think he was probably aware of his need, but he didn't know where to go, possibly. Maybe that's why others brought him to Jesus. I don't know. But we must know where to turn. And see, sometimes, sometimes we may know our need, we may be aware of it, but we're not sure where to go for help. We're not sure where to turn to. And so there again, sometimes people around us, our brothers and sisters, they can help us to see our need. And sometimes when we see a need, we may not know where to turn to, but we can go to others and turn and, and, and ask for counsel and see where to go for help. Now we can oversimplify it and we say, well, well, that's a no-brainer. You turn to Jesus for all your troubles, all your help. I know, I've heard that kind of preaching. I've heard that kind of a gospel. But the truth of it is, beloved, that Jesus is in your shoe leathers. It's you and I. Jesus living in us. We are the temple of God. The, um, I was thinking about this. Thomas said uh, the kingdom of God is within you. That's what the Bible says. The kingdom of God is within us. And so we are Jesus' hands and feet. And so let's not, let's not spiritualize everything in life so to the point to where, to where we, well, we, we don't know where to go for help. We call on Jesus and we pray and we pray and we pray and no one, no one comes to help. Story is told of a man that was in a flood. Oh, and the waters came, kept coming up. The waters kept coming up and finally went to the second floor. And then waters kept coming up and he went on to the roof. He was out on the roof. And in this flood water, the kept, water kept rising, kept rising. And this man was up on his roof and he was praying to the Lord. He needs help. He needs help. Send me help. Send me help, Father. And along comes a little boat, floats along. Well, anyway, the end of the, I don't know how the story all goes, but it ends up that the man is drowned and dies. And he goes to heaven. And he says, he talks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I prayed for help. And you never came. You never, you never came and rescued me. And Jesus said, no, that's not true. I sent you three boats. And you didn't get on. See, that's what I'm saying. Is sometimes we, 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 we want Jesus to just, to just you know, show, manifest Himself in a, in a lightning bolt. And, and uh, we, want, we want somehow to just, our need uh, to just fall, I mean, our, our, the answer to just fall right before our knees. When, when, in fact, when in fact, it may be those little boats that are floating right by us. That may be God's way of meeting our need. And so oftentimes, oftentimes it's our brothers and sisters that are here for us to help meet our need. <clears throat> now I've often said, 
I've often said, just because I'm a deacon, just because I'm a preacher, doesn't mean that I have all the answers. Doesn't mean that I'm everything to everybody. I've, I've tried that. I've attempted that. But I've come to realize that's not happening. It's not going to happen. I'm not everybody, everything to everybody. But hopefully, hopefully, there are enough resources that if there's something beyond my expertise, there's someone that I can point you to and help and, and where you can find help. The same with me. You may not have the answer. You may not, you, if I come to you with my need, you may not be able to help, but you can say, brother, I know of this person over here that can help you. He has experience with this. He knows what he's saying and so forth. That, that to me, beloved, is Jesus meeting our need through individuals. And so let's remember that. Thirdly, know how to come. Know how to come to Jesus. Now, there again, there's a difference. Maybe this man didn't know how to come to Jesus, and so the others brought him. This woman knew how to come to Jesus. She went to Jesus. There's a very, very key to, this, to, these, um, to these examples at verse 25, the last statement there in verse 25 says, And came and fell at his feet. Verse 33, uh, 32, it says, And they beseech him. Those are keys in coming to Jesus. Now, when I ask the question, know how to come to Jesus, or, or make the statement, the third point, of knowing how to come to Jesus, uh, first of all, we may think, what's well, so elementary. I mean, what, what do we mean by knowing how to come to Jesus? Is there a right way and a wrong way to come to Jesus? Yes, there is. I'm sorry to tell us. There's a right way and a wrong way to come to Jesus. You know, do we come as a Pharisee or a publican? Do we come with pride or humility? Do we come demanding or thy will be done? <clears throat> These are very key that this woman comes, she came and fell at his feet. It is, it is the connotation of worship, of recognizing my need. I need your help. You're the one that can meet my need. And, and, and maybe that's why it's so difficult for us. We, we, we don't think about Jesus being, I, I don't. Let me personalize this. I often don't think about Jesus being in you, you brethren. But really, that's how it is. And so, so when I come to you, I realize, I realize that Thomas and, and Joshua and Josiah, John, Gary, naming all of you, I realize that in and of yourselves, you cannot, you cannot meet any need. 
You, you cannot, you, you cannot, you don't, we don't have resources of our own. But Jesus in you, working in you, the life that you live in Christ, you are able to meet some need. Now, yes, I'm, I, I'm fully aware that you're not able to meet every need to everyone. But you are, you are able to meet a need. And so when I come to you, I often don't think about Jesus being in you and Jesus being the person to help me. <clears throat> That's a challenge. That's a challenge. But I think it's also conducive to what we've been studying in our Sunday school lesson of loving one another is that when we can come, when I have a need, I see a need, I'm aware of my need, and I know where to go. I turn to this brother for my need, for help. And, and I look at that person and say, you know what? I have this need. You are able to meet my need. I wonder what that would do if I came to you. If I came to one of you and I said that, I wonder what that would do to you. As I thought about that, if someone would do that to me, um, I'm not sure. I haven't clearly put that through my mind. But that's a challenge. <clears throat> you know, in a sense, our children come to us as fathers and mothers and they expect us to meet their need. They come to us with the confidence that we are able to meet their need. Else they wouldn't come to mom and say, Mama, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? <clears throat> so on it goes. <clears throat> really, really, let that be a challenge for us. <clears throat> you know, so often, so often we may recognize our need, but we come, we tend, I tend to come to Jesus like the Pharisee. I may recognize my need, but I come with pride. Say, God, this cannot be happening to me. It, it just, I, you have got to fix it and get me out of this trouble right now. No. And along with that comes that demanding spirit. God, I know you're the one that can meet my need. I know you're the one. Now get it done. No. No. Now, lest we get the wrong idea. How, how then is a sinner supposed to come? Um... How then is a sick person supposed to come to Jesus? Um, well, let, let me just say what we've heard so often, just come. Come just as you are. We sing that song, and I think it is so true. I think it is important that we come just as we are. How else will we come? Is it, is it we come with a prideful heart? And we might even recognize that we do have a prideful heart. We don't want it to be that way. But we come to God with our pride. And we say, humble us. 
Make me humble. We may have a heart that is full of hate and anger. And we come to God and we say, God, I have this hate, this anger. I don't want it to be that way. I want that. I want the weeds to be rooted out. I say, come just as you are. But I say along with that, be honest. Be honest. Be honest with God. Don't come, don't come seeking an answer, seeking help when you're not honest. That's how we come. That's how we come to Jesus. We come in honesty. This woman simply, Jesus, I have this daughter that has this unclean spirit. You can help. I want you to take the unclean spirit out of her. She fell at his feet. Oh, that's, that's so impressive. She fell at his feet and she besought him besought him, beseech the, 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 the people that brought this man to Jesus. They beseech him. And this woman besought Jesus. Key words. Beseech. Uh, that he would cast forth the devil out of her. Not demand. Not with pride. Not with arrogancy. But just simply, honestly, beseeching Jesus And saying, could you take this devil from her? Fourthly, I think we need to expect an answer. I think we need to expect an answer. The answer may be yes. The answer may be no. The answer may be wait. The answer may be, I want to do it some different way. I know, I know you, you've asked it this way, but I want to do something else. And that's, beloved, where the struggle often comes to, is to just know the clarity of the answer. I think in our prayers... When we pray, we ask the Lord for to meet our need, to help us. And then we must expect an answer, but we must also leave it in the hands of God. And if God chooses to answer some of the way, be that to His discretion. Whatever glorifies and honors Him, we say. <clears throat> Now, both of these answers, I'm just simply asking the questions. Were both of these answers according to the expectations? We don't really, we don't really, uh, it's not really clear what the, how or what the woman expected here. It does not say that she come and, or that she come and ask Jesus to come to her come to her house, but um, 
I would just assume that, that maybe that's how it was, but she, she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her, gives the indication there to me that she leaves it open to Jesus to answer however that he chooses to answer. It's quite simple. It is quite simple. It was, the, it, was, it was the conversation between Jesus and this woman that made the difference in the healing of the woman's daughter. Now, I find that amazing. <clears throat> well, we could say, well, it wasn't the daughter that was coming to ask for, for healing. Well, that's true. That's true. And so the healing, the healing on her daughter's part physically or could I say mentally or whatever. That took place by her mother's faith. But there's also another side in which the mother was healed, could I say emotionally, physically? Yeah. Oh, we thank God for our healthy children. We best never take that for granted. I've been working at a place where recently where the child is handicapped. Uh, it's not a it's not an evil spirit by no means. But I wonder sometimes how do parents deal with that? I really wonder. It must be stressful to say the least. <clears throat> I really think this woman experienced healing and the joy in her heart when she came home and her daughter was healed, was laying in her bed. What a joy. What a, what a blessing. <clears throat> the man, they asked, the man, they asked Jesus to lay his hand Put his hand upon him. Uh, why they asked that, I'm not exactly sure. But I find that interesting as well. Is that they put his, that, that they asked him, they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Um, Jesus didn't really answer that way, did he? Now, Jesus had a strange way of healing this man, at least in my mind. <clears throat> but nonetheless, Jesus healed him. I'm just simply saying, when we expect an answer, we must leave it open for God to answer in whatever way that He chooses to answer. I think we need to be specific in our prayers. We need to be specific of our need. But when it gives, to, when it gives, when, when we when we're seeking an answer. We must leave the door wide open for God. Let's not try to put God in a box and have God and demand God that he answer in a certain way. Good possibility he won't answer that way. Good possibility he won't answer at all. And if we come to him as a child of his, 
And we're quite a bit demanding. Um, it may be just for our good that God the Father says, I want you to just wait a little bit. You haven't quite learned the lesson yet. Beloved, why is it so difficult to come for us, for me, for me to come to the end of myself? Why is that so difficult? You see, we really don't have a grasp or a hold of our need as long as we come with demands. And we want God to answer this certain way. <clears throat> As Gary often says, he wants us to come to the place where we give it to him. We just give it to him again and again and again. I wonder sometimes in Jesus meeting our need... If it's not so much the physics of the need to be met as it is for us, to just come and sit on Jesus' lap and have him put his arms around us. That kind of a relationship with him. You know, we hear this kind of a gospel that Jesus is the answer to every need. He will answer every prayer. But the truth of it is, the Bible tells us very clearly that the Apostle Paul sought the Lord to meet his need. And God denied him of that. Why? Because in his weakness, God was glorified. Because of his Whatever it was. Paul learned to trust in Jesus. He learned to trust in God. And so, <clears throat> I find it a real blessing. I find it a real blessing. <clears throat> I wonder if this Syrophoenician woman, she heard about the devil being cast out earlier and thought maybe Jesus would do that, come and, and, and cast the devil forth and have a confrontation with the devil and so forth. But Jesus never spoke to the daughter. Jesus never spoke about the devil never had a confrontation with the devil and that exegesis. But he tells the woman, go, based on her statement, based on her faith, go, thy daughter's been healed. What a challenge. And Jesus, I don't know, did the God part of Jesus understand all of what she was going to say? But Jesus put it right to her. 
She said, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And Jesus uh, had nothing to hide. Jesus uh, was clear in his teaching. I think that's one of the reasons Jesus wanted to hide, wanted to get away, just because of the pressures of the Pharisees and the, and, and the religious people around him. Being very much a Jew, he calls her a dog. It was common, common terminology. Her answer is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, that's right. And that's another interesting point. When we answer the Lord, we answer him, yes, Lord. We never answer him, no, Lord. That's not safe. That's not safe because he is Lord. He's Lord, well, I trust that He's Lord of all of our lives. Even if He isn't, He's still Lord. So we say, yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. She's seen way beyond what I would have seen. <clears throat> Jesus basically gave her no answer in a roundabout way. She didn't take no for an answer. <clears throat> well, we may say that on the surface, but I think the woman understood what Jesus was saying. And the woman understood that she can also be a child of his. May that be a challenge to all of us as we look at this lesson and these experiences. First of all, that we will be aware of our need. Secondly, we know where to turn for help. Thirdly, that we know how to come. And fourthly, that we expect an answer. And in all of those, in all of those, beloved, we may not see it of ourselves. We may need someone to help us. We may need someone to have eyes so that we can see. <clears throat> may the Lord just grant us grace and mercy and help us in those times. And uh, help us to seek Jesus, to know where to turn. Let's kneel together to pray. Our gracious and loving eternal Father, we thank Thee again for this opportunity. That has been ours to sit around your word, to experience your presence with us. Father, we thank thee for the love that you have bestowed upon us, that we can love you and love one another. Father, we thank you for your mighty work in times past and in the present and in the future. We know, Father, that you're the same God. Your arm is not short, that it cannot help. Your ear is not deaf, that you cannot hear. Your eye is not blind, that you cannot see. Your storehouses are not empty, that you cannot help. And so, Father, we look to Thee to meet our every need. And we would just pray again that You would help us to see the need 
of our need. Lord, may you grant grace and strength to accomplish that which you desire. May we have hearts that are open and receptive and pliable in your hands so that you can do your mighty work and glorify yourself. We pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.